0: Welcome to More to Come, P.W. Comic World's weekly podcast on uh, comics and graphic novels. Uh, I'm Calvin Reed, uh, Senior News Editor at Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of P.W. Comics World. And uh, I'm uh, right now, once again, on the floor of... The San Diego Comic-Con International at the Fantagraphics Booth, and I have the great pleasure uh, to be able to interview uh, Don Rosa, uh, uh, known universally for his work with uh, Scrooge McDuck and Donald Duck in the the great Duck stories. Um, Mr. Rosa, thank you very much for being on Oh, My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, I've always been a fan of the... Carl Barks and the and uh, the Duck stories. Uh, I, I wasn't always familiar with your role in it, but it's fascinating and it's really thrilling to see that you're getting the attention now. Obviously, that your work deserves. Um, could you tell our the, the more to come audience a little bit about your background? Because you seem to be way better known, you know, at least in past years outside of the United States than here. Oh uh, well, I uh, let's see how to sum this up.
1: Uh, In uh, a few more than 25 words or less. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I've always been a uh, comic book fan and collector. And like most, uh, well, like all kids in America who grew up from the 40s to the 60s, I grew up with Carl Barks' comics. as the most popular, best-selling comic books in the history of the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I uh, grew up in a construction family. I always knew that I was going to take over the family construction company, so I never considered doing this for a living. So my only background is in uh, my... My uh, my my degree, my college degree is in civil engineering. Uh Uh, But uh, so I was uh, running the family construction company in uh, the mid nineteen eighties. But I was still very active in uh, comic fanzines. I did comic strips for comic book fanzines and for my local newspaper, just as a hobby. And then a small publisher in Arizona got, I mean, like a three and four person publisher in Arizona, got the license to publish Disney comic books in North America because they'd been out of business for about ten years due to the way the whole American comic book uh, industry collapsed.
2: And uh, I
1: saw that as my opportunity to write and draw one Uncle Scrooge comic, which is what I dreamt of since my earliest memory. Uh, and I did that and I uh, for this little publisher, and I thought that's all I'd ever do but it uh, seemed to be so popular uh, with other Carl Barks fans I was my, my whole purpose was not to create something of my own was just to do stories mm-hmm. of my favorite uh, mm-hmm. the character created by my favorite comic book writer and artist and uh, that first story I did was nominated uh, as the best story of the year in the first Harvey Awards so I thought I'd try is another one Is that the story one. Son of Son, of, Son, Son of the, Son? Of the Sun, which Son this book is, is named after oh mm-hmm. uh, so I uh, decided to uh, liquidate the construction company and do something that was less profitable but more fun. <laughs> but one thing, I won't tell you the whole story, but I was out of business uh, doing that within about a year, and, uh, but I finally found out that these are still the best-selling comic books, especially in Europe. These are still, uh, I mean, they outsell an American superhero comic like 1,000 to 1, and it's still a mass medium mm-hmm. there. Here it's a cult hobby, but there it's a mass yeah. medium. So I went to work for Europe. And uh, because, I think it's only because I'm I'm a fan first. I'm not really a professional. I'm a fan. So despite my overly detailed and kind of amateurish artwork, the, the, the fans... <laughs> <Amateurish>? <laughs> oh, absolutely. The fans recognized that I was a fan, and I was working yes. harder than I was getting paid. And I think maybe that's why they enjoyed this stuff so much. And I just uh, one thing led to another, and uh, I did it for 20 years until the Disney system broke my enthusiasm, but... Uh, I went on for that extra 20 years just based on the great appreciation from the European audience because mm-hmm. they are such uh, Karl Barks fans and Donald Duck fans there that they uh, just, their uh, their enthusiasm uh, fueled me for uh,
0: quite a while. Well, I, I, I grew up, as you just as you said, um, I, a fan of those the, the Donald Duck stories, yeah. the, the Karl Barks stories, uh, the Beagle Boys and all the rest. Um, uh, I have not had a chance to look at this yet, Uncle Scrooge and Donald Duck. Uh, and from reading up about you, um, I was hearing that you had sort of refocused the series on Scrooge McDuck, away from Donald. Well, is that, it's is that not a series.
1: I just, he was my favorite character, so I would... One of mine, too. Mostly, it? I would uh, do adventure stories with mm. Uncle Scrooge. And some, only occasionally, I would do a, a slapstick story with uh, a short story with Donald Duck. But, of course, any Uncle Scrooge story, Donald Duck's always a mm. sidekick, okay. so... <laughs> So every story I've ever done, Donald Duck's in there somewhere.
0: Um,
1: but Scrooge is, yeah, Scrooge is my favorite because mm-hmm. he's in a, uh, humor, but he's an adventure character.
0: So. Could you maybe ta- tell our audience a little bit about, uh, more about Karl Barks? Um, because for so many years, those stories, uh, I mean, I think people didn't really know that much about him. I mean, that seems to have changed now, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, but uh, his stories
1: were just amazing. Well, of course, uh, he never, uh, since he was doing Disney licensed comics, even though he created the stories all by himself and the artwork, his name was never on the comics, so people like me would just yeah, mm-hmm. call it, the story was, they uh, thought of him as the good artist. He was the person, <laughs> that's the only way we can identify him. Uh, but he was a fellow who uh, had, by his earliest background was in, uh, like, underground comics, uh, like... Uh, uh, Softcore pornography of the uh-huh. 1920s mm-hmm. and 30s. That's why his work always had sort of an edge to it, sort of a cynical sense of humor, and kind of a little bit kind of a underground comics mm-hmm. of the 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. And he uh, tried to make a living uh, working for the Disney Corporation as a gag man, not as an artist, in the early 30s. And then uh, I think he got out of it and he was going to be a chicken farmer and just get out really? of the business no altogether. <laughs> and the Dell publisher who is the biggest comic publisher in the history of the United States, who had all the... They weren't like DC and Marvel who had to create their own characters. They had the money. They just licensed everything. They licensed all the Disney, the Warner Brothers, Walter Lance, Colum, MGM, and all the movies and TV shows. That's all they did was license because they had the power to... Uh, they called him up and wanted him to... They had just licensed Donald Duck from Disney. But... Uh, Disney's Donald Duck is just a slapstick character. That every—it's like an actor. Every yeah. every uh, ten-minute cartoon, he's a different character doing something different, throwing acorns at Chip and Dale yeah. or something. Yes. So Carl Barks had to create a character out of this actor. You know, give him a background, put him in the city of Duckburg. Yes. Give him a family. Give him a rich uncle, which he, I mean, this didn't happen in one the first yeah. issue, mm-hmm. but over the next fifteen. No, maybe just over the next five or six years in the late forties. And he created the world's most popular comic books around the world and uh, never got any credit for it. But everything that people really know about Donald Duck is all created by Karl Barks. Uh, and he's a guy who uh, never got any... I think he was paid fairly well, but he never got his name in the comics. And he retired uh, in the late 60s. Uh, but then uh, comic fans, uh, as we grew older, we uh, you know the comic dealers and... Started businesses uh, republishing this stuff. He became uh, very famous in the in the 80s and 90s, and even was able to uh, create oil paintings of the based on the stories he used to do. That sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars, and uh, and Disney uh, uh, got a piece of this. It was a it was a licensed operation, so uh, he became very famous, and finally was able to do a a European tour and see how. How well known he was! He's a, he's a household name in Europe. Yeah. In America, even uh, most comic collectors don't know who he does because he did, didn't do superhero comics. So, uh, but he was able to finally enjoy that, and uh, and he lived to be almost a hundred years old, and he was razor sharp right yeah. to the end, and still working every day. So, uh, an amazing person. I only lasted about twenty years, and then I quit. So, but he went on for all the way since the uh, early nineteen forties.
0: So you, you you don't actually continue to do stories now? Or you're, oh, no, I quit about seven can. years ago. Uh, I had all I could take. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, now, the book that's out here, uh, the phantograph is Uncle Scrooge and Donald Duck, Son of the Sun. Yeah. This is the beginning of a, a series of, of reprints. Well, I hope This so. is volume one yeah. here. Uh, there should uh, be
1: ten volumes, and uh,
0: probably, uh, I hope they get through all
1: ten volumes without too much interference from Disney, but okay, that's oh, quite really. a chore. Because well, Disney doesn't, isn't polite to the small companies. Yeah. So they just like to bully them. Yeah. So this was already delayed a month, I think, uh, uh, from when it could have been, if, except for some... Uh, well, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, well, uh, I mean, I sure hope that they can last for 10 volumes, because uh, people all over Europe and South America, and even into Indochina, have collections, full hardback collections of my work in a language they can read, and I think it's time I had a collection of my work in a language <laughs> I can read, Yes. Okay. I... Nobody is looking more forward to this than I am. So. Well, that's what, well. Uh, what I know, Gary Groth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh I and and no, this yeah. is also an amazing thing because uh, I've done work for Gary Groth all the way back when, uh, like he was 16 years old and I was 18 oh. years old. I've known him that long in the late 1960s, yeah. and that he is the person here who is uh, in modern times who's doing the the collection of my life's work. It's Kismet,
0: I think he yeah, called yes. it. So well, I'm really proud of that. Well, you've got uh, a pretty good teammate there, uh, and so does he. So, yeah. uh, look, this is really terrific. Um, I, I know you've been to Comic Con before. You got an Eisner last year, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I got a, a Bill Finger Award. That's what you have the Bill yeah. Finger. Yeah, I got the Eisners earlier. Yes, there we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, 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 what are you going to be doing while you're here? Now, it's mostly signings here. Normally, mm-hmm. I uh, come here
1: only to chat with old friends and mm-hmm. to. And do, uh, have my comic book want list and uh, buy old comics. Mm-hmm. That's all I do and just wander around look at all the amazing sites. But this time, I'll probably save some money on old comics. I'll be uh, doing signings here two or three times a day and maybe a couple of panels. Uh, so this is quite a different trip for me. This is more like being at a European convention except the signing sessions are very relaxing. You know, I just get right. one person every couple of minutes instead of uh, people uh, who stand in line for the six hours. That just to you get, have outside. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Well, look, this is absolutely a great pleasure uh, to talk to you, and thank you so much for uh, giving more to come some time. Well, thank you. My pleasure. pleasure. You bet. Okay. All right, great. Thank you so much. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor at Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. We've got a big treat today, uh, live from the floor of the San Diego Comic-Con International, uh, North America's biggest pop culture uh, (laughs) festival. Uh, I'm standing in the Fantagraphics uh, booth uh, with Eleanor Davis, uh, author of the fourth, is it forthcoming or is it out now? Uh, how, do, how, how to be happy? Well, but well, people have been talking about this book for so long. It seems like it's been out uh, for months, if not forever. Uh, a, a, a wonderful book. Um, uh, Eleanor, thanks for being on. More to come.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be
0: here. Uh, great. So, um, I, you know, I know a little bit about your background. Uh, you had an earlier book, uh, "The Secret Alliance," and I, am I abbreviating that it's title? The
3: Secret Science Alliance.
0: The Secret. Science Alliance, yes. Um, Though, uh, as I realized, it was done in collaboration with your husband, uh, Drew Wing, who's also a fabulous cartoonist. Um, But uh, maybe for uh, fans out there who don't know too much about you, you could give us a little bit of information about your background and how you came to be a cartoonist?
3: Yeah. um, Well, I've always loved comics. My parents are both really, really into comics. Uh, My dad was into the underground uh, comics my mom's always been really into little lulu uh we all as a family we all got really into anime and manga back in the mid-90s when that was just you
0: know people very unusual i mean in that system yeah it was very
3: uh, an interesting family hobby um and i started i was introduced to zines and mini comics in high school by my best friend catherine Guillen and Started to, to get into that community, and um, then I wound up going to Savannah College of Art and Design, oh, sure. uh, mm-hmm. and that's where I met Drew, who also who also attended, and um, we wound up getting married and working on Secret Science Alliance together. I did a kids book for Toon Books. Oh, cool! Uh, Francois Malise line and
0: yes, yeah, yeah, so, so that's all my, roads seem to lead you here to Fantagraphics, uh, right in line with uh, the other publishers that You've been working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we're, we're here. Is there a copy of the book around? I don't see it. Oh, uh, oh there it is down there. You want me to well, grab it? Uh, no, that's right. That's right. I just wanted to. I just wanted to see. It. <laughs> um, you know. Okay. Uh, bear with me. I just want to say a few things about the book because I really think it's wonderful. Uh, but uh, it, it, it is elusive and powerful at the same time. It's, uh, it's, it seems to be like a sample of life and lives um, kind of parable-like. Your images often seem instructional, but only vaguely so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And you have to pick up signals. Uh, It's from the succession of really beautiful sometimes astringent images, Uh, But they all seem really packed with some kind of elemental wisdom. Have I gone too far? Oh my gosh, I mean,
3: that's very flattering. It makes it sound like a... Very thrilling no, book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, there may not be explosions in it, but there are some. I mean, there are emotional moments in it, but you you're never too sure. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about um, how the stories in the book work? Well, uh, I guess
3: all of them are short stories that I've worked on over the past seven years for different venues for uh, Fantagraphics, Mom, for the No Brow Anthology. Uh, stuff that I put online mm-hmm. and one of the interesting things about the, the book about how to be happy for me is that um, when I decided to put all those stories together in a collection I didn't think
4: I wanted the
3: I didn't think they would come together very well because they weren't intended to be a, and the, the a drawing styles of the, of the, and the, the kind drawing of morphed are, in some ways
0: from, mm-hmm. from story to story. Yeah, the
3: drawing styles morphed quite a bit. Uh, I didn't feel like the subject matter was yeah. going to be very cohesive. But then when I brought them all together, it turned out that there was a lot of like kind of ongoing themes mm-hmm. and stuff that uh, the stories really... It, it was very cohesive just in the fact that it was all by by me and my interests have remained mm-hmm. the same.
0: Um, there, I mean... One, one thing that comes up certainly seems to be kind of this, I don't know if there's a conflict between sort of the natural world and urban life, but mm-hmm. there is that sense of, of, of a pull between the both. I mean, not even so much putting down urban life, because in some stories, I mean, it seems almost inevitable. It doesn't, in some stories, even natural life doesn't look like it's so great. So uh, uh, is that the case? Am I reading too yeah. much into it?
3: No, I think very much, you know, in my own, I think like everybody else uh, I think everybody wants to be happy and, mm. and goes to struggles to try to figure out how to be happy in my own case I think I've often felt like uh, maybe becoming more of a hippie would help maybe you know going back to the land to some extent gardening yeah, yeah. stuff mm-hmm. like that has a lot of appeal mm. but then uh, but then that also has drawbacks mm-hmm. Turning turning away from from kind of like society as a, as a whole doesn't seem very healthy either so uh, I guess I, I think that there are no easy solutions
0: yeah well well, well one thing uh, at the beginning of the book actually you sort of say basically you say well this isn't really a book about right. how to be <laughs> and you actually point people to some things that you know who knows maybe yeah, it'll help them yeah
3: because I think it's, it's a it's a serious struggle that people have that everybody's trying to,
0: to figure to figure it out for themselves. Uh, I, I, some of the stories also. I mean, I think you sort of maybe uncover some of the the kind of the, the inner life of people. That I mean, there, I know there's one story where this couple, and really they seem to be saying, I mean, maybe the some of the fearsome things that maybe flow through our minds mm-hmm. <laughs> about you know, you know, you know, even for people you care about that. Mm-hmm what am I doing here? <laughs> I mean, these, those moments where you, you seem to be imitating what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, and those, those kinds of moments seem to sp- spread throughout the
3: book. Yeah, uh, those are almost entirely, uh, a lot of those, the, the sketchier stories were just drawn directly in my sketchbook, just mm-hmm. trying to work out thoughts I'd been having and feelings I'd been having. Um, almost like drawing therapy yeah. a little bit so some
0: of them can get pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they are. They're, well, that's what happens. But once again, things are so elusive. I mean, you it's you do have to... You can bring a variety of readings, I think, mm-hmm. to some of them, and I think that's what keeps every story alive. Yeah. But let me ask you about the drawing. I mean, you use different approaches. Can you talk a little bit about how... I mean, I guess they were done over a long period of time, which is it's almost naturally will change your okay. drawing style, but there's, there's, there's flat color, there's really elaborate line drawings... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, can you tell us a little bit about just if your approach just changes over time?
3: Um, yeah, I guess it just depend, it depends on the, the venue that I'm mm-hmm. doing the comic for. So uh, the first comic in our Eden was done for the the beautiful, beautiful anthology No Grow. Ah, oh, yes. that an offset printing yeah. uh, technique. And that, a lot
0: of their books seem to have that yeah, look, yeah, to Yeah, yeah.
3: And so I, I was, uh, I, I used, a, I drew that, that, yeah comic digitally to take best advantage of, of their printing process. Um, some of them, a lot of the black and white ones are, are, are black and white just because I'm just dashing it out mm-hmm. in my sketchbook trying to go as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. right? or the pencil one. Uh, sometimes I thought that the uh, the story would be told to best effect with, with color, mm-hmm. um, so I, I do either digital color or watercolor. Gosh. So it just depends on the story, I guess.
0: Well, it's a really remarkable book, and and good luck to you. What 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 are you doing? I mean, have you been to Comcom before, or is is this? uh, I'm always curious to know. Are you a veteran of the madness here?
3: I was. I came once in I think 2001. so a long time ago. Yeah, so yeah, so it's very. Any observations
0: on the (laughs) change? It's really,
3: really, really big. Yeah, Yeah. And I'm I'm really excited. And it to be was big here. in 2001. I know, too. <laughs> and now it's way bigger, it's yeah. just exponentially. So, so I'm. I'm really excited to just you know people watch and meet yeah. folks and take advantage of all the amazing art that's here and see what's going
0: on. Well it's a great pleasure uh talking to us thank you for giving us some time.
3: Thank you so much all right, that was good. Awesome. and
0: good luck on the book. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm Calvin Reed and I have the great uh pleasure to be here with Lucy Nisley, uh author of French Milk, Relish uh and a terrific strip on ebooks. That uh, it was incredibly timely at one time because I write about the book publishing industry and there was people saying crazy things about ebooks. And I thought you said a lot of sensible things about ebooks. Anyway, uh, welcome to More to Come and thanks for giving us some time.
4: Thank you, my pleasure.
0: Um, yeah. I, I love that strip, by the way, that you say. It was a perfectly a reasonable assessment of eBooks at a Thank time you. where a lot of unreasonable things were being said.
4: There's saying. a lot of panic right now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. forever panic. Yeah. Like, the book is dying. And yeah. uh, I, I just had had a lot of interactions with people at the time where it had been like, you read online, you're a monster. How could you do <laughs> yeah. that? And it was like, well, but I, you know, it, it, I... I don't have enough room in my apartment for all the books I want to have and I still love books and I will buy yes, books yes, exactly. forever. You can
0: read both people. You can read it's both. okay. <laughs>
4: right? Like hopefully we can try and make this work so that the creators and the publishers are still earning like their keep yes. even though it's not a physical book or if it is a physical book and so I don't know I, I just was trying to sort of um, myself and like get my own <laughs> thoughts in order. So thank you. I'm really glad yeah. you like that. Yes, story.
0: I did very much. Well, um, for the more to come audience, I mean, you obviously you've got quite a publishing history, but maybe you could just give us a little recap of how you came to be a cartoonist.
4: Sure. Um, I started out. My mother was a uh, chef and a sort of an artist, and my father is an English professor. So I sort of was always kind of the uh, <laughs> fighting the sway of these two opposing forces uh, between the literary world and the art world and uh, comics sort of became my way of balancing those two worlds together uh, I started with this book called French Milk which was a travelogue about going to France with my mother when I was graduating from college she was turning 50 so it's sort of about these two women and reconnecting to each other and to themselves in a time of flux and change so um, I, uh, I started with that book as a travelogue it was published by uh, Simon & Schuster in 2008, I believe, Uh, and that was my first book. I went on to do a book called Relish, My Life in the Kitchen, along with a, a number of self-published things. But uh, Relish, My Life in the Kitchen was the follow-up, and that is a memoir, full-color from First Second Books, about uh, growing up with a chef for a mother and in the food world. Um, so I... Uh,
0: <laughs> if, if we're, we're at Comic-Con, so at anybody Comic-Con. may come by. Little, little baby <laughs> Anna and Elsa They're from really Frozen just, Your walked just walked by. family <laughs> just walk by, yeah. Adorable. Yes. <laughs> I hope
4: that they just found each other, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe. they <laughs> didn't come they just you know,
0: they just said you know we should be together yeah,
4: yeah. best friends immediately um, so, uh, so yeah so I started uh, I started making comics full time about uh, 2008 2009 uh, Relish was a lovely experience and I um, I did that book with First Second they have a policy when a book is finished that they um, they spend some time working on the book and working on uh, publicity before it comes out so there was some time in between when I finished the book and when it came out so I I was sort of recovering from some heartbreak and, uh, and sort of in, in between a few things, so I decided to use that time to travel and uh, take a lot of interesting new opportunities. And uh, so I, I went on a bunch of trips that year. I went, I took every opportunity that came along. And one of the opportunities was to go to Norway to a comics convention out there. Uh, I decided. This is, a,
0: this is a prelude to your new book, of course. This an this is age is of license. Yes,
4: an age of license. license. Excuse yes. me. Yes, that's
0: a whole. That's a, An Age of of Innocence, That's Age of Wharton or (laughs) or something. Anyway, yes. Yeah, I'll take credit (laughs) for that. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Or (laughs) Henry James. I'm not Sure, sure, (laughs) sure. But you're right in that group. But go on. (laughs)
4: Thanks. (laughs) Um, So I I I kept another uh, travelogue about it, sort of going back to my roots, that I started out in French milk making travelogues I sort of wanted to get back into that uh, and writing about my experiences and uh, it turned into a sort of this exploration of being in your 20s and sort of uh, travel and adventure and sex and romance and uh, sort of early career stuff and uh, and I came back with this kind of interesting story lots of fun and intrigue and uh, and so Uh, The following couple of months uh, I had the opportunity to uh, shepherd my 95 and 96 year old grandparents along on an elderly person's cruise. (laughs) Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and I thought, sure, hey, that's an opportunity to yeah. travel. So I went and did that as well. And that was a lot, uh, <laughs> very different, of course, yeah. from the Age of License story, which uh, which was, you know, about youth and adventure and sex. And uh, this new one was about sort of responsibility and, yeah. uh, you know, caretaking and mortality mm-hmm. and aging. And uh, and so these two travelogues are sort of uh, opposite sides of a okay. coin, this, uh, this sort of, like, paired travelogue collection. Uh, and both of these books are coming out from, Phanagraphics in the next few months uh, oh, Age yeah. of License is debuting here and then the second one is called Displacement oh, see I didn't even know about that
5: one oh, this is okay. cool all thanks right, great.
4: and you're getting married too I am yes? I'm getting married in about a month and a half Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay right and thanks. you're doing a I'm doing another book as well, about that you're a cartoonist yeah, it's, why not? it's all just for the it's mail. all material <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> um, well I have to say I mean your book's uh, uh, smart funny thank you Charming as well, uh, and, and a drawing style that manages to be adorable and precise. Uh, your color as well. Um, I mean, you, you, your recap uh, really, show, I mean, uh, you know, first Milk was a, tra- a travelogue. I mean, um, Relish, you sort of broke me with the ground with food. I mean, I, I, there aren't a lot of comics that seem to deal as in as detailed and as loving a way. And both story and instructionally, <laughs> with food, uh, and, oh, I, and I, I was really um, impressed with that. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, now, in age of license, okay. I, I'd say just maybe you're most introspective. Book up all of them in some ways, you. you I mean, you, it, it does. You do seem to be wrestling with your own inner life, what it means to to be whatever you are at the sure. moment.
4: Yeah, travelogue is always a lot more introspective. I find work like Gabriel. Bell, mm. um, it's always you know much more in the moment, in the person's head. Uh, and I was sort of uh, you know floating at the time, and and also had just sort of finished this memoir, which mm-hmm. was very you know measured and written and scripted and uh and so this was an opportunity to kind of just explore and put my thoughts out on paper and so yeah it's it's a little bit more and kind of
0: personal i mean there was a you know relationship in the yes you know yes very true yes um but it really uh it just seemed to open a a new dimension on your work
4: thank you thank you very much
0: um what are you doing here at Comic-Con? I mean, you've been to Comic-Con many times, I assume. I have
4: not, actually. Oh, this yeah. is my first comi- Big, I mean, first San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah that's
0: what I mean. This yeah. is your first San Diego. Oh. oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's interesting. So what do you think?
4: Uh, so far, so good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been... A lot of cartoonists these days to, are kind of yeah.
0: overwhelmed by the whole thing.
4: Well, I mean, I think it's good that I kind of worked my way up to yeah. it. I've been tabling at conventions for, uh, since I was 19, mm. so uh, for over 10 years now. And I, um, I'm, like... I you know I, I still like it very much. Uh, after the Relish tour, I got a little burnt out on the crowds yeah. and the sales and stuff. But um, but it's nice. I've had uh, I've had nothing but wedding planning for the last two <laughs> months. So I'm like, this seems totally fine. I'm not overwhelmed by this at all. My wedding in a month and a half. That's freaking me That's out a little bit. That's gonna be crazy. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. But this is like this is okay.
0: I actually think the very first time I met you is I bought. A mini comic from you, I believe, at Mocha.
4: Oh, okay. A long
0: time ago, I think it was about a snowman.
4: Oh, yeah, okay. And it was a beautiful
0: color. Um,
4: Thank you. Yeah, uh, I think you were going circuit. to uh, CCA. Yeah, that was my yeah. uh, application comic to the Center for uh, Cartoon Studies. Uh, uh, they uh, they require you to make a comic about a robot, a snowman, a piece of fruit, and yourself in conversation. <laughs> well, or they did when I, back in the day when I went. Yeah. yeah, right? That's, a, that's your application <laughs> process. So uh, so that was my application comic, uh, which is a, a there's a foul-mouthed apple and a robot and snowman. Mm. And
0: yeah. Well... Um, what else are you going to be doing here at, at Comic-Con? I guess signings. And I've
4: got some signings. I'm bouncing back and forth between Fantagraphics and First yeah. Second. And then uh, I have a number of panels. I have a panel tomorrow uh, with uh, Gene Yang, Faith Erin Hicks about uh, words and pictures. I have another one with the two of them and someone else, I can't remember, uh, about First Second. And in between I have a spotlight panel on oh, myself. And yeah. like, I'll let you know when I figure out what I'm going to do for <laughs> that. I'm like working on my song and dance.
0: Oh, great, well, great. Well, look, um, good luck to you. Um, uh, an, age license, uh, an Age of License. Fabulous thank book, you. and I'm, I'm looking forward for the other ones to come. So, thank uh, you. Thank you for uh, giving More to Come a little time. We appreciate it.
6: My pleasure.
4: Uh, thank yeah. you. You
0: bet. Bye-bye. Bye.
6: Hi, this is Heidi McDonald with PW Comics World's More to Come podcast. I'm live from Comic-Con, and here I am in the Archie booth, the swanky Archie booth, with Mike Pilarito, who is the publisher? President. President, okay. President. And with Alex Segura, you're Alex. You're a vice president, right? Senior
2: vice president. Senior Publicity vice president.
6: Publicity and marketing. All right, but um, you know Archie always in the news. Uh, this time you've killed off Archie, um, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know even in a horrible news cycle, like I was amazed. Like there was so much going on in the world, and the death of Archie was was uh, became incredibly popular. So yeah, we had. Uh, or popular. I mean, it, it's got a lot of... It got a lot well, of
5: attention. I don't know if it was popular, but it got a lot of yeah, attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but we had amazing news coverage. Alex reached out to everyone. We had CBS News within the day and, and getting calls like crazy. We announced the story in April to get ahead of the Diamond solicit right. cycle. And um, people either loved the idea or hated the idea. Um, and my favorite thing is people want to know why we're still here at the convention today because we should be at the Archie Funeral.
6: <laughs> there you go. Now, does this story lead directly into Afterlife with Archie?
5: No, but that is the number one question we're getting at the show. They're completely separate. The the, the life with Archie was really the kids all grown up, out of college. The two universes of what happens, married to Betty, married to Veronica. Right. Um, and this was the way to kind of close out that arc. And um, it, it really, I don't know, it was just monstrously successful. So I'm very happy. But Afterlife is a teenage gang, um, a much more realistic Approach to teenagers. They're a little snarkier, the language is different, but it is the, the pure Archie gang. Um, and fighting the zombie apocalypse in Riverdale. Right,
6: right. But that has been a huge success,
5: right? Amazing. Um, the, the, the coolest thing about it is the one word is flawless. Uh, Roberto is writing, yeah. every script is perfect. Francesco sees the script and makes it that much better. Uh, it's It's one of the only things I work on that I don't have to do anything everything is brilliant uh, and i always you know talk about john goldwater is a guy who decided to make the Archie kids older. It's really took a lot of courage to include Kevin. It took a lot of courage to include um, just a lot of the diversity things we're doing, which always seemed to be an uphill battle before. is now very easy to do. To do a zombie book before, and I've been at Archie 14 years, to do a humorous <laughs> zombie book would have been impossible to do. <laughs> to do like a real zombie that can go toe-to-toe with Walking Dead or whatever's out there, that's incredible.
6: Well, I mean, I will say, I do think you just touched on what has made the book so successful is the secret weapon of hiring amazingly talented people. And Francesco, I have to be honest, his innate understanding of the horror genre is unbelievable.
5: The We, we keep calling them Lennon and McCarthy. Roberto and Francesco, they have not just an amazing ability to communicate with one another, but subconsciously They start talking about, oh, you know that like 1920 (laughs) silent film about, oh yeah, yeah, I have that on Blu-ray, and you're like, what? And and, uh, the back and forth, the the, the in-depth script, we released those digitally with a plus edition so people can see it, but the amount of references in the script alone are incredible, and um, like this last one that just came out this week, uh, Afterlife 6, is really about what happened to Sabrina, which was one of the best and most horrific things of the book. Her mouth was ripped off and she was sent to like Chitulu, Limbo, Hell and as I was reading the script, I didn't know the the, the names of doctors and different things you put in there, but I started Googling it because I just knew that it meant something. And then you, you as you, I don't know, they're just, you dig deeper and deeper into each script and what the artwork does it's, it's brilliant. I think it's it, it throws back to the eerie and creepy and all the great right. horror right. stuff Very that hard I love, show, Archie yeah. Goodwin and and. and You know, Toth and Morrow, and all those, like, to me, guys that I think are the best of the best, and it just slides right in there.
6: Yeah. Now, let me ask you about um, the traditional Archie line, you know, the timeless, I guess the timeless line, is that what you call it? Forever teen. Forever teen, yeah. I mean, how is that doing with today's audience? I mean, it's.
5: Really, it's amazing. Like, you look at the. the, It's always been like that. You look at the, the, the different audience around our booth and you have everything from little kids to grandparents black white any color you can imagine families teenagers um, it, a lot of it is women pulling their significant other to the booth because they have to have it. Um, a lot of today's best creators. We just had something with Rob Liefeld's daughter came over here and we <laughs> gave her some books and she took pictures in the booth and like that's a day she will love for the right. rest of her life. Sure, sure. Um, so we're constantly doing new stuff. We're doing a lot of uh, crossovers are planned up, which I don't know if we could talk about yet. Um, Alex and, and, shakes head. <laughs> and you know we're, the, the biggest thing is trying new things there that still fit the best of Archie format to show the history of the characters but also the new um, Betty's Diary right, which has really right. taken a big cue from the wimpy kid sure. and Betty's been doing diary stories for I don't know, 40 years but in this style is the first time we did it, and that book releases in a couple of weeks.
6: Yeah, but uh, it looks great. I, I saw it, and it, you know, I'd be very curious. But I mean, you—you know—you seem to have the golden touch. I have to be honest, and maybe some of it has to do with Alex Gura here, <laughs> who we do know. I'm a big Alex fan. Thank you. Um, Alex, let's. But you have a new task in addition to your publicity duties. Now you're heading up the Dark Circle.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I can actually. I've used this joke a few times with the creators, that I know the publicity guy really well. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll get some promotion, but. Yeah, when I came aboard, Mike said "Mike said one of the things we'd like you to do is work on the superhero books, and I've always had an affinity for them, we worked on New Crusaders when that launched, and it's really just books that we think are going to be creator-driven, you know, Dwayne is such a great crime writer, so having him do Black Hood is a no-brainer, getting someone like Michael Gatos, who, to me, drew one of the best crime comics in years, um... But we also wanted to pull people from outside, so Chuck Wendig and Adam Christopher are novelists who get the medium, they've done comic stuff before, or have tried to, and having them do a reimagined S.H.I.E.L.D., so we're just trying to do really accessible launches. It, it, it doesn't negate anything that's come before, I think it respects the history, but it's also a perfect jumping on point, and they're all so different. If you want to get them all, that's great, if you just want to get the Fox or Black Hood or the S.H.I.E.L.D., and... You know, the response has been huge. I think we've had so many creators come by and say, "What's next? What, yeah. What's the next one you're going to do?" We want, we want right. in right. because they get the vibe that they know that the restrictions aren't there. It's not the kind of thing where, you know, this is book fifty three of the new fifty two, or you know, those guys do that stuff really well. We're just trying to make these books unique and stand out.
6: But don't you feel that um, I've been noticing this a lot at the show? I and and I mean the time is just so much better now to do this kind of thing. I mean, I think even past launches of superhero lines um, that have been done, you know, more it was butted up against, oh, it older fans were right. like, oh, it should be done the way, you know, so-and-so did it back in the day. Whereas I... now, it seems like there's a lot more... People are really open to change now.
2: Yeah, I think people are open to it, and also people are appreciative when you're responsive. I think one of the first things we got is well, what about this book that you announced before? That's you know, And we respond. We, we are upfront about things, where these are new versions of these characters that are part of a greater universe that we're building, and um... I think there's a lot of hunger with Afterlife and Sabrina and, and just saying that these books are kind of linked in a way, thematically. Um, we've got a great little brain trust of people. So, you know, something like the idea of the shield as a woman was John's idea. He yeah. said, you know, we're, we don't want to compete with Captain America. We want a, an iconic woman hero can add to the Pantheon or, you know, the Black Hood or, you know, we'll eventually get to Hangman and characters like that. So I think, you know, John, Roberto, Mike, Paul Kaminsky, and myself, we kind of huddle together and ski and just figure out how we can make these books stand out more than just another title. Because,
6: uh, you know, you probably know as well as I do that it is said that in the marketplace it is, like, new superhero lines are very difficult, just because Marvel and DC do do it so well. I mean, is that you, you know that going in? I mean, is that something that you
2: yeah that, and that's kind of the motivation to make them stand out more right. you know we don't we don't want to get lost in the sauce we don't want people to just say oh this this reminds me of Teen Titans or this reminds me of Superman uh, we have to these these characters are really just names to a lot of people Right. you know aside from Toth on the Fox you know it's very hard to say this is a definitive run on Black Hood or The Shield you know <laughs> right. so I think that's what we're trying to do making these the classic runs that people point back and say that was really a solid or great I also
5: don't, I don't think of these as superhero books either um the success Marvel's had with the Marvel movies they have really good Captain America is a spy movie I thought the second one was brilliant Thor is you know a Lord of the Rings type of mythology oh yeah they really yeah and and they've done it within the world of superhero capes and tights and all that stuff Um, to me The Shield is a political thriller You, you look at Homeland and I mean 24 and different things where you see pretty heroic characters that with a different outfit would be superheroes um, and I think the the Fox is really uh, the big Lebowski uh, just off the <laughs> yeah, yeah, comic yeah, book yeah. superheroes and there's no one else really doing that and then the other books I really think of crime as, as crime books yeah, yeah we
2: talk more in shows like what's you know this you know yeah. true detective Fargo shows like that that are really like serialized fiction uh, and just choosing genres and themes as opposed to like This is our version of Ghost Rider. This is our version of Superman. It's
5: also nice, too, because we don't have anything tied to it beyond the story. So if we decide to break everything for the sake of the story, we can do that. So knowing that you want to kill everyone by the third issue because something else happens... You we well, we'll love
6: death at Archie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well,
5: Jughead's next, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. That guy's going down. Betty kills Veronica. Indigestion <laughs> takes him down. That yeah. would be
6: the headline of this uh, podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> Jughead's going down.
2: Yeah.
6: Um uh, well that's great. Um when do the, uh, when does the Dark Circle line launch?
2: For early next year, okay. so around February, March. Alright,
6: so, and, uh, some more to look, come from Archie. Yeah, afterwards. definitely. Alright, well thank you so much, Mike and Alex.
2: Thanks for having us. Thank you.